A very warm welcome to everyone this morning. Really good to see the church so full. And a very big welcome if you're watching online as well. I hope you'll feel the Lord's presence with you as you worship with us this morning. Especially want to extend a very warm Forest Bell welcome to Basil Howlett, who's joined us today from Carey Baptist Church in Reading. Uh, it's really lovely to have you with us, and we pray that God will speak through you today. And uh, Basil will be preaching again tonight at 6.30. And of course, you are very welcome to join. Uh, just one notice, uh, a reminder that uh, if you prefer to continue sitting in a socially distanced way from the 12th of September, when changes will be made to bring seating in the services more in line to how they were pre-COVID, um, please speak to Malcolm as soon as possible so numbers can be estimated and planned for. Now I just want to share a few verses from Ephesians 2 that have been uh, special to me over the past week um, and uh, uh, they read, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And so such an amazing blessing that is that we might see the immeasurable riches of his grace and uh, worthy to be praised. And, and uh, as we come to praise the King of Heaven, that's our, our first song, which we're going to start with this morning. Praise my soul, the King of Heaven, through his feet thy tribute bring, ransom, healed, restored, forgiven, who like you his praise should sing. Let us stand and worship.
reading this morning is taken from 2 Kings chapter 4 and verses 8 to 37. Two Kings, chapter 4, and we're starting at verse 8. One day, Elisha went on to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, Behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair and a lamp so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. One day he came there and he turned into the chamber and rested there. And he said to Gehazi his servant, Call this Shunammite. When he had called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, Say now to her, See, you have taken all this trouble for us. What is to be done for you? Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, Well, she has no son and her her husband is old. He said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway and he said, At this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, No, my lord, O man of God, do not lie to your servant. But the woman conceived, and she bore a son about the time, the following spring, as Elisha had said to her. When the child had grown, he went out one day to his father among the reapers. And he said to his father, Oh, my head, my head. The father said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. And when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap till noon, and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may quickly go to the man of God and come back again. And he said, Will you go to him today? It is, either, it is neither new moon nor Sabbath. She said, All is well. Then she saddled the donkey And she said to her servant, Urge the animal on. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When the man of God saw her coming, he said to Gehazi, his servant, Look, there is the Shunammite. Run once to meet her and say to her, Is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with the child? And she answered, All is well. And when she came to the mountain to the man of God, she caught hold of his feet. And Gehazi came to push her away. But the man of God said, Leave her alone, for she is in bitter distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Then she said, Did I ask my Lord for a son? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? He said to Gehazi, Tie up your garments and take my staff in your hand and go. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not reply and lay my staff on the face of the child. Then the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was no sound or sign of life. 
Therefore he returned to meet him and told him, The child has not awakened. When Elisha came into the house, he saw the child lying dead on his bed. So he went in and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself upon him, and as he stretched himself upon him, the flesh of the child became warm. Then he got up again and walked once back and forth in the house, and went up and stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. Then he summoned Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her. And when she came to him, he said, Pick up your son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. Well, we look forward to Basil going through that passage with us in a little while. But before that, he's got a short talk for the children. On now, I hope. Yes. Thank you. Sorry. Um, we've not been allowed to travel very far, have we, for the last couple of years? But the last long journey I took with my wife in 2019 was to a country called Myanmar. When I was at school, we called it Burma, but now it's called Myanmar. And uh, there it is on the map. Next one. We were there for the Sing Yang Festival. That's a very special festival in Myanmar when the people pour water on each other. Next one. In Myanmar, they worship a god called Buddha. That's a statue of Buddha. It's uh, very, very tall, and the one laying down is very, very long. The tall one is higher than the cathedral at Salisbury, and the idol is covered over with gold, so it's worth a lot of money but the people in Myanmar mainly worship this god called Buddha. And at the New Year, next one, at the New Year, their New Year, it's called the Sing Yang Festival, they all pour water over each other. Next one. So if you're driving along the street in a van or something like that, someone will aim a hosepipe at you and give you a good wash. Next one. There we are, all those host sites going. And the next one, if you're on a bullet cart along the road, they'll uh, hose you down as you pass by. Next one, if you're on a horse and cart, there they are, throwing water over you. Next one, if you're going past the jeep, they'll pour water on you like that. Everyone got a hose pipe out or a bucket of water. Next one. And the next one. And the next one. And the next one. And the next one. Okay. We kept dry because we were in a car all the while we were being turned around in Myanmar. Why do they pour water on each other? Because they believe it's their new year, beginning of their new year. And they believe that by pouring water on each other like that, they'll wash away all the sins of the previous year. So, 
that that will take away all their sins. Just aim the hosepipe at someone, that will take away all their sins. Pour a bucket of water over their heads, that will wash away all their sins. Well, we know, don't we, that that is quite sad and wrong. The Bible says there's only one person who can cleanse away our sins, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. That means that when Jesus died on the cross, he bore the punishment due to us for our sins. And if we believe on him, if we trust in him, all our sins are washed away immediately. Don't need a hosepipe. Don't need a bucket of water. All our sins are washed away, straight away. Next one. Now, a lot of people in Myanmar have come to believe that. Many people have become Christians. They've seen it's so foolish to aim a hosepipe at someone. So, and they become, become Christians. They trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Next one. That's a Buddhist monk. And uh, even he has come to see that the Lord Jesus Christ is the only one who can save him. I was asked to go into the monastery to meet this man and uh, he told me how he'd just been reading the Bible and he'd come to see that the Lord Jesus Christ was the only person who could cleanse away his sins. So he's now left the monastery and he's a true Christian. Next one. My wife and I were there at the Yang Festival uh, to meet up with a number of Buddhists who are asking about the Lord Jesus Christ. They want to know more about him. They realize that being Buddhist for years has not done them any good. They want to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. They want to know more about him. So my wife and I were asked to go and spend time there and meeting these uh, needy Buddhists and telling them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you folks here at Forest Falls, you've heard time and time again that the Lord Jesus Christ is your saviour and that he can wash away your sins. You don't need a hosepipe, you don't need a bucket of water, you don't need to drink water. Well, that's good for you, but you don't need to drink water to wash away your sins. That will all be done when you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive you. You've heard that many times. Have you come to believe that? Have you come to believe that? Next one. Yeah, there we are. These, some of those um, people then there have come to believe on the Lord Jesus. One young man asked for a hymn to be sung. He said the hymn that he wanted to be sung was a certain one, and they sang that. And we recognized the tune. And the hymn is, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Saviour. Hear my humble cry. When on others you are calling, do not pass me by. And this Buddhist man was praying that as a prayer. He'd seen some of his friends becoming Christians, having all their sins washed away, and he wanted the Lord Jesus Christ to save him. So, young folks, you've heard that many times here at Forest Falls. You've heard that many times about Jesus. Have you come to trust in him? as your saviour. Okay, thanks for listening. Myanmar is in the news just now. It's a very dangerous place to be just now. 
So pray for the people in Myanmar. There are many Christians there who are having a terrible time. Thank you very much, Basil. We're going to stand and and sing again, and this time we're going to sing Oh to See the Dawn of the Darkest Day. And um, One of the last verses, uh, which I think follows on similarly to what Basil was just saying, Oh to see my name written in the wounds, for through your suffering I am free. Death is crushed to death, life is mine to live, one through your selfless love. Let us stand and sing.
Well, let's turn our hearts to pray. Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves before you now as we uh, come to pray. And Lord, as we approach the throne of grace, we pray that our hearts might be set in a right place and our our minds might be in a right frame of mind as as we approach you. Lord, we're very conscious that you are high, holy in heaven, and uh, us sinners down here on earth, there's a big gap between us, but we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, who makes up that gulf between us and you. And uh, as we approach now, Lord, we come uh, pleading the finished work of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for this, uh, this new day. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to worship again. And uh, Lord, as we meet together, we pray that our hearts really might be ready to praise you and to worship you. Um, Lord, we pray that we haven't just come out of here, out here today because that's what we normally do on a Sunday morning. But Lord, fill our hearts with joy and thankfulness. Joy and thankfulness in you. That you alone are, are worthy of, of praise and honour. And Lord, we pray that in everything that we do, even in our worship this morning, that our hearts might be lifted up to you and bring you the glory that you deserve. Lord, we thank you for that for the creation around us that we can enjoy and that speaks loudly of your power and might. We thank you, Lord, for the good times that we have together with friends and with family. We thank you, Lord, for food and clothing and shelter, things that we don't even have to think about. Lord, we're truly privileged in this little corner of the country, uh, this little corner of the globe. And uh, Lord, we pray for a truly thankful heart But Lord, don't leave us to uh, keep obsessing over the things uh, that that we've been given. But Lord, we thank you that you are the giver and that Lord, you pour out blessings on us day to day. And we pray, Lord, for a truly thankful heart. We pray, Lord, for an awe of your power and might. Because Lord, there there is no one, there is no thing that is as powerful and as mighty as you are. And to think, Lord, that you want us as part of your family, is an almighty privilege. And it's overwhelming to think uh, that uh, that, uh, you, the high and holy God, would ever have anything to do with us. We thank you, Lord, that you care about the big things and the small things that concern us. We thank you, Lord, that there is nothing too trivial for us to bring to you. And uh, Lord, you know the things that we often worry and stress about. We thank you that we can leave them at the feet of Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we meet together, we pray that our hearts will be softened, that Lord, this will be another day uh, where we are moulded and shaped to be more like you. We pray, Lord, that you will refine us so that you will see your, your image in us. Lord, bring us closer to, uh, to you. We pray, Lord, for a, a closer walk with God. We pray, Lord, that each day you will be uh, sanctifying us and uh, using us and making us more like Jesus Christ. Lord, we know we'll never reach uh, the, uh, to, be, to be an exact replica of him, but we pray, Lord, that we will strive with all our heart to turn our back on sin. We pray, Lord, for a truly sorry heart for the sins that we do commit and have committed in our lives. And we thank you for the way that you care so much that you sent your one and only Son into the world. Lord, it's a blessing that rolls off the tongue and we say it and so often we feel we have to say it. But, oh, Lord, we pray that we'll really feel it in our hearts and know it in our hearts that Jesus is the Saviour and it's so important for us to be saved. And as we leave this uh, building later on, Lord, I pray that we won't leave in the same way that we came in, that there'll be something that will cause us to think and to, to change us. And um, Lord, we, we pray for the success of your word. We pray, Lord, for this, um, 
for this uh, for this church and for all the, the ministries and everything that goes on. We thank you, Lord, the opportunities that we have and so many opportunities that come uninterrupted by um, any other um, hindrances. We thank you, Lord, that we can take the word to into the town and that, Lord, we can broadcast our services on the internet without fear of any repercussions. And we pray, Lord, that we'll make the most of this. We don't know how long our um, freedom, religious freedom may last, but we pray, Lord, that we will be so keen on a, it may be our personal mission to take the good news of Jesus Christ to the people around us. Lord, whoever that is, people that we have dealings with at work or at school, at home, our neighbours, Lord, you know the people that we come into contact with. And may we be like a shining light in their lives. May they see something different in us that they don't have, which is Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray for the success of the gospel here that many uh, uh, might be um, convicted of their sin and come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour. And uh, Lord, we so often hear it, as Basil was saying, we, we hear it week in and week out. But oh Lord, that we'll take it to heart and that it will move us uh, to, to take up our cross and follow after Jesus. Lord, we pray for the success of the gospel all around the globe. We think of um, uh, those places where it is hard to worship. We think of Myanmar that, uh, that Basil was just talking about and the, the difficulties that they are facing at the moment. And uh, Lord, of course, um, in, in, the, in the Far East, we think of many countries that are, that, where Christians are persecuted and killed, um, even just for taking the name of Jesus as their saviour. And Lord, we pray for the strengthening of their faith and may we be encouraged, Lord, uh, when we see the, the faith that they have in the face of such adversity. Uh, Lord, they stay strong and they are so committed to you and we are thankful for them. And we pray that their faith will only grow. And uh, we, we ask, Lord, that you will be preparing and equipping us as the, for any forms of persecution that we may face in the future. Maybe not physical like, like in North Korea, but Lord, maybe we might find our um, freedom to worship being inhibited or our opinions being shut down or being accused of, of hating when Lord, all we're doing is trying to spread the love of God. And so Lord, we pray that you will make us strong and well-equipped Christians. Uh, Lord, we pray, pray for Basil's home church of Cary Baptist Church in Reading, and Lord, as they uh, have the Reading Festival this weekend and as a group from their church has gone out to uh, share the good news of Jesus, we pray, Lord, that, that might be, there might be fruit from that and, uh, Lord, that people might, be st might stop and think um, as, they are, uh, as they are faced with, with the word of God. And so, Lord, we commit this day to you. We pray, Lord, wherever your word is being spoken today around the world, that it might be done faithfully, it might be done in, in, uh, honestly and truthfully, and we pray, Lord, that uh, many souls will come to Jesus Christ. Lord, we see so many people around us who reject the name of God or are completely indifferent. And Lord, we pray that they won't, uh, that they won't be left in that way, but they might be convicted of their sins and brought to Christ. Give us a passion for it, Lord. May our hearts be uh, so uh, burdened for, uh, for the souls around us. Uh, and uh, we pray, Lord, that you will um, fill us with the, with, the, with the zeal of the Holy Spirit in our heart to go out and tell the good news of Jesus to all that we meet. So Lord, we pray then that you will bless us in this service uh, uh, today and also this evening. We pray for your spirit. We pray, Lord, for open ears and open hearts that, Lord, we might hear your voice uh, speaking through Basil as he um, explains this passage that we've just read together. Oh Lord, we pray that uh, you will get all the honour and glory from it and that our souls might be blessed and saved. We ask all now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
And we're going to stand and sing um, once more, and then Basil will come and, and preach to us. And we're going to sing an old hymn, uh, I think it's a William Gadsby hymn, Immortal honours rest on Jesus' head, my God, my portion, and my living bread. In him I live, upon him cast my care. He saves from death, destruction, and despair. Let us stand and worship. together at that passage we read from 2 Kings chapter 4, 2 Kings chapter 4. As we go through life we have to face many important questions. Young people as they go through secondary school have to ask what option should I go for? What exam should I take? Should I go into the sixth form? Should I go to university? If so, what should I study at university? 
What kind of job should I look for? Then as we get older, we have to ask, should I get married? Who should I marry? Where should we live? What about a family? When a family comes along, what name should I give this boy? What name should I give this girl? And so on. All through life, we have to ask important questions. When we get older, we have to ask, who's going to look after me in my old age? Should I sign up to go into an old people's home or in a sheltered housing? What should I do? All these important questions. Critical questions which have to be faced. But this morning, I want to look with you at a very, very important question, maybe the most important question you could ever ask yourself, and that is, is it well with my soul? Then two subsidiary questions. If it's well with our souls, and if you're married, is it well with your husband's soul or your wife's soul? And if you have children, is it well with your children's soul? Those questions were first asked by a man named Elisha, who lived about 3,000 years ago. He put the questions to a wealthy woman who was living in a place called Shunem, Uh, We read about that in that passage, 2 Kings 4. This wealthy woman of of Shunem and her husband were very hospitable to Elisha. He was a traveling preacher, and every time he was in their area, uh, preaching God's word, they invited him to stay at their home. They were so hospitable. And as a result, in his kindness, God gave them a son, rather late in life. And of course, they were absolutely delighted. The woman especially was so delighted to have a son. But sadly, some years later, the boy suddenly fell ill. He went to the fields, we're told, one hot summer's day to watch his father reaping the corn when he suddenly took ill with a blinding headache. My head, my head, blinding headache. Maybe it was meningitis, maybe it was severe sunstroke, we don't know. But uh, he was carried back home, and there he died on his mother's lap. It was a tragic blow uh, to this poor woman. And she immediately went on her way to meet Elisha. Uh, She felt that he could help her in some way. So she got the servant to saddle the donkey and went immediately to meet up with Elisha. And as Elisha saw her coming in the distance, he sent his servant, Gehazi, uh, to meet with her and to ask her three questions. 2 Kings 4, verse 26. Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child. Now when Elisha asked those three questions, he wasn't just politely asked passing the time of day. He wasn't just asking whether she and her family were in the best of health. He was asking her something far more fundamental than that. He was asking her, is it well with your soul? Is it well with your husband's soul? Is it well with your child's soul? He was asking after her spiritual well-being 
and their spiritual well-being. For a start, the word she used in Hebrew is the word shalom, which means spiritual peace and prosperity. He was inquiring after that. How was the woman's soul? How was she spiritually? And that is certainly how the woman understood the question. Um, She replies, it is well. It is well. If Elisha was just asking her whether she was in the best of health and felt fine, she would never have said it was well. She had just lost her dear son. And she was heartbroken. So she knew that Elisha was speaking about her spiritual state, about her husband's spiritual state, and hers. Is it well with you, your soul? Is it well with your husband's soul? Is it well with the child's soul? Take the first question. Let me ask that this morning. Are you right spiritually? Is it well with your soul? Later on as we close, I'll ask the next question. If you're married, is it well with your husband's soul or your wife's soul? If you have a family, is it well with your children's souls? But let's major on the first question, the all-important one. Is it well with your soul? Is it well with my soul? We've all got souls. That's the thing that distinguishes us from the animals. When God made men and women, he gave them souls. He gave them a spiritual capacity, a spiritual faculty, so that they could commune with him and worship him and serve him. I have a body which enables me to enjoy physical activities. I have a mind which enables me to think and learn. I have a soul, a spiritual faculty, which enables me to communicate with God and have dealings with Almighty God. Now, a visit to the doctors will soon tell you how it is with your body. Exams at school, A-levels, exams at university, will soon tell you How is it with your mind? But the all-important question is, how is it with your soul? Is it well with your soul? It's the most important question you could ever ask of yourself. And I'll tell you why. Because your soul is the most valuable thing you have. Your soul is the most valuable thing you have. Our Lord himself said that. Mark 8, verse 36. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus said that. What will it profit anyone if they gain the whole world, all its money, and lose their own souls? Your soul is the most valuable thing you have. So I ask, is it well with your soul? What exactly do we mean by that question? 
What do we mean? We mean, first of all, has your soul been cleansed and cured from the guilt of sin? You see, as we are, we're all guilty sinners by nature. Every man and woman born into this world is born with a sinful nature. All of us have been affected by sin. We've all sinned against God. We all have this terrible disease of the soul called sin. We've all been greedy and grasping. We've all been proud. We've all been selfish. We've all been mean. We've all told lies. We've all taken the name of God in vain. We've all pushed God on one side. Many may have been involved in immorality. Not necessarily in action, but certainly in their minds. There's not a single person here this morning, not a single person in the whole world, whose soul is not affected by sin. But here's the wonderful thing. It's possible to have all that sin and guilt dealt with. It's possible to have all that sin and guilt cleansed away. The teaching of the Bible is that the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, left heaven where he lived with God from all eternity and came into this world, lived a perfect life. And then at the age of 33, he went willingly to a cross on a hill called Calvary. And there he was put to death, brutally. And when he died upon the cross, he bore the punishment due to sinners like us. And because of that, it's possible to have all our sin forgiven, all our guilt washed away. So I ask with this question, is it well with your soul? Has your soul been cleansed from the guilt of sin? Has your soul been cleansed from the guilt of sin? We saw all those poor people in Myanmar thinking that a hosepipe aimed at them could wash away their sin. Many people in this country are just as foolish. They think that just being religious for a little while will wash away all their sin. Or they think that just by doing a few good deeds now and again, that will deal with all their sin. But it can only be dealt with by the Lord Jesus Christ because he died upon the cross. When we ask, is it well with your soul, we also mean, have you got life in your soul? Spiritual life. See, as we are by nature, our souls are not only diseased by sin, they are dead, spiritually dead. That's why the vast majority of men and women, young folks in the British Isles, in the United Kingdom, have no concern, really, for the Lord Jesus Christ, have no concern to worship God, have no concern to read God's Word. That's why they think we're idiots to meet in church on Sunday, to sing praises to God, and to read His Word. Because they're spiritually dead, you see. They have no life in their souls. And that's true of us all by nature. 
we're spiritually dead. We have life in our bodies. We can exercise. We can enjoy ourselves physically. We have life in our minds. We can think. But do we have life in our souls? Do we have a concern for God? Is it well with your soul? Or is your soul still spiritually dead? Guilty and dead. Then we also mean when we ask, is it well with your soul? Is your soul out of danger? As we are, our souls are not only diseased by sin, not only spiritually dead, but in grave danger. You see, God is so holy, God is so pure, that he hates sin. He can't smile at sin. He can't pretend he hasn't seen it. He can't turn a blind eye to it. He is so holy that he hates sin. And he's so just that he must punish sin. We demand justice everywhere else, don't we? If a man commits a terrible crime and attacks a poor old lady, we demand that the judge meets our justice and send him to prison. If a player of your football team fouls a player of my football team, I demand justice. Referees, send him off. We demand justice on the football field. But we don't like it when we hear that God is just. And God must punish sin. Jesus put it like this. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So my friend, if you're not a Christian, if you're not trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, your soul is not only diseased, not only dead, it's in very, very grave danger. That's what we mean when we ask, is it well with your soul? Have you been saved? Has the guilt of your sin been washed away? Have you had life breathed into your soul? Have you been saved from the punishment of sin? Or, to put it another way, are you on the way to heaven? Have you got this hope in your soul? So that's the question. Is it well with your soul? I'm not asking whether you attend church regularly. I'm glad you do. I'm not asking whether you do your best to help old people. I'm glad you do. I'm asking, is it well with your soul in the sight of God? Says so I don't really know, to be honest. I don't really know. Well, let me try to help you. If you've seen yourself as a sinner, if you've seen yourself as someone who's done wrong in the eyes of God, and if you've seen you can never earn forgiveness, if you've seen that you're dependent wholly upon the Lord Jesus Christ and his death upon the cross, and if you've asked him to be your saviour, 
then all is well with your soul. But if you still think you can put yourself right with God, then all is not well. Why should we be concerned about our souls? Why should we ask, is it well with our souls? Why? Why is it so important? For a start, there's nothing more wonderful than to know it's well with your soul. Nothing more wonderful in the world than to know that. You can get a measure of joy from having money. Nothing wrong with that. You can have a measure of joy by having a nice home and a nice car and a good family. Nothing wrong with that. Probably all right. God wants us to be joyful about such things. But the real secret of great joy is to know that all is well with your soul. And what is more, that is the only thing that will support you and uphold you when a great crisis comes into your life. This woman in our story was in the midst of the greatest crisis she'd ever known in her life. Her son, her only son, her greatly loved son, the son she'd longed for for years, had suddenly died. The apple of her eye had suddenly been taken away. He'd gone out into the fields to watch his father do some work. Suddenly taken ill. All so sudden. All so catastrophic. And she's grief-stricken. But you notice that she also remains calm. She doesn't panic. She remains calm. She has a wonderful peace. Read the story again. There's nothing panic-stricken about this woman. She is calm and peaceful, even in the face of this terrible calamity. And the thing that keeps her calm and peaceful is that it's well with her soul. It's not her big house that helps her. It's not the money she got in the bank which helps her. It's the fact that she knows it's well with her soul, that she's right with God. That's one good reason why you should get right with God and make sure that all is well with your soul. It's the only thing which will keep you steady and keep you peaceful when the great crisis comes in your life. Who knows what crises may come. Many people have faced a crisis already during this pandemic. And the only thing that will keep them peaceful and calm is to know that it's well with their souls. Now this is not just make-believe. This is solid literal truth. This has been the experience of many Christians many times. Let me tell you the story of one man in particular. Many of you will know the story. This man's name was Horatio Spafford. He wrote a hymn based on this verse in 2 Kings 4. He was a very wealthy man, an attorney who lived in Chicago in the 19th century. In 1870, 
he and his wife Anna lost their four-year-old son who died of scarlet fever. A year later, in 1871, in the great fire of Chicago, the Spaffords lost most of the property they owned and their wealth was suddenly reduced in an alarming way. In 1873, Horatio Spafford decided that the family should take a holiday in England, where his friend, the evangelist, Theo Moody, was taking some special evangelistic meetings. So, Spafford arranged for his wife and family and himself uh, to be in England to help in this campaign that Theo Moody was running. At the very last moment, uh, some important business commitments meant that Spafford couldn't go immediately. So he sent his wife and four daughters on ahead. Went down to the seaport, saw north, waved them goodbye. In the middle of the Atlantic, the ship on which they were sailing, the Via de Arbre, collided with another vessel and immediately sank. 276 people were lost in that catastrophe, including their four daughters, aged two, five, nine, and eleven, Tanita, Bessie, Maggie, and Anna. Mrs. Stafford, by a miracle, was saved by clinging to a plank of wood. She had hold of one of the girls the last moment when a wave suddenly snatched the daughter away from her arms and all four girls were lost there eventually she was rescued, landed at Cardiff sent a telegram to her husband all is lost, what shall I do? well he being a good man immediately made arrangements to come to the UK uh, to be with his wife and to help her and as he passed the spot where the accident had happened in the Atlantic, he wrote this hymn, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, Though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, some of the most amazing words ever written outside of the Bible. My sin, or the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole is nailed to his cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord of my soul. See, Mr. Spafford was a Christian. Nor was well with his soul. And the only thing that kept him steady in the midst of that terrible calamity was the knowledge that all was well with his soul and all was well with his family's souls. You never know, my friend, 
when the great crisis will come. To know that it's well with your soul is the most wonderful thing you could ever know. It's the only thing that will keep you steady in the face of catastrophe. Not only that, it's the only thing which will uphold you when you are faced with uh, death itself. There's only one thing that will uphold you then when you're faced with death. That is all well with your soul. You see, when you're suddenly faced with death, the football team you supported all the years won't help you. The thing that's been the central thing in your life, the football team, that won't help you. Manchester United, help me, I'm dying! My favourite team, Norwich City, where I was born. Norwich City, help me, I'm dying! They can't help themselves, they've lost every match this year. How can they possibly help me when I'm dying? You see, this is the only thing that will keep you steady. Your money, you may have a lot of money, my friend. Lloyd's Bank, help me! I'm dying. What can Lloyd's Bank do when you're dying? The only thing that will keep you calm when you know you're dying, you face this great certainty face to face, the only thing that will keep you steady, it is well, it is well with my soul. So that's the most important question you could ever ask yourself. Is it well with your soul? But don't be content with just asking that question. Don't be content with just knowing that it's all well with your soul. What about those who are nearest and dearest to you? So let me put very quickly the second and third question Elijah put to this woman. Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? Take the second question. Is it well with your husband's soul? Or if you're a wife? Or if you're a husband, I should say? Yeah, if you're a husband. Is it well with your wife's soul? If your husband or your wife is saved and a fellow believer, and all is well with our souls. Well, thank God for that. Thank God for that. One of the greatest privileges you can have if you're married, to have a wife or a husband who's trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. But my dear friend, if it's not all well with your partner's soul, your husband or your wife, if it's not well with them, if they're not Christians, then your great responsibility is to be concerned about him or her. I'm not saying it's okay for a believer to marry an unbeliever. I'm not saying that. But if you're in that position where you have an unbelieving husband, an unbelieving wife, pray for them that they might know the Lord Jesus Christ as Saviour. Your most important job in life, really, is to 
make sure that they know about the Lord Jesus Christ. Christian husband, is it well with your wife's soul? Your first concern should be that she's saved. I've known husbands who've been out here and there, Sunday by Sunday, preaching all over the place when their wives are at home unsaved. The first duty you have to your past, my friend, if you're a Christian husband or Christian wife, is to show them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Show them that the Christian husband is the most wonderful husband in the world. Show them that the Christian wife is the most wonderful wife in the world. Don't nag him. Don't try and force him to become a believer. Don't nag him. Just show him that the Christian life is a wonderful life, a life of peace and joy and hope. And just show him that to have a Christian husband or a Christian wife is a great, great blessing. Then what about the family, the children? Let me just say this, by the way. If there's an unconverted partner here this morning, my friend, don't be annoyed if your husband or wife it's concerned about your soul. Don't be con- annoyed if your husband or your wife is concerned about spiritual things. Don't be annoyed if she's concerned that you should become a Christian. You should thank God that you have a Christian wife, Christian husband. You should thank God that they are concerned about your souls. See, the Bible actually says that if you're an unbelieving husband and you've got a Christian wife, you're in a very blessed and pretty position. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians. You're very privileged, really, because she can witness to you. She can tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. She can tell you about the only one who can give you hope in the face of death. Then what about the children? Is it all well with a child, asked Elisha. This woman was able to say, yes, all is well. She says, in fact, yes, he's died. He's gone. And I'm grief-stricken. I've lost my only child. But I know that all is well with his soul as well. I know that he's gone to be with the Lord in glory. Well, Christian friends, how is it with our children? Are their souls safe? If they too have come to know the Lord, praise God for that. Praise God for that. But if they're not Christians, pray for them. Give them a godly example. Show them that the Christian father, the Christian mother, is the best father, the best mother in the world. Show them that the Christian home is the most happy, peaceful place on earth. Show them that the Christian life is a life of joy and glory. Show them that the Lord's day is a wonderful day. 
I've known parents who drag their feet as they come into church, say, well, it's Sunday, I suppose we better go, and they come with church with long faces, and is there any wonder that their children are not interested in the gospel? Show them that the Lord's Day is an amazing day when you can meet with Christian friends and meet with the Lord and have dealing with Him and learn more about Him. Well, there we are. Three vital questions. Far more important than how much money you've got in the bank. Far more important than how nice a house you've got. Far more important than how you're doing at sport. All things are important, of course. But this is all important. Is it well with your soul? Is it well with your husband, your wife's soul? Is it well with your children's souls? Will you be able to join in our last hymn? Can you sing this with all your heart? When peace like a river attends my way When sorrows like sea billows roll Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say it is well, it is well with my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of the glorious thought. Can you say that? My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Let's stand and sing that together. Wonderful hymn. Yeah, it, yes. Does anyone here can play the piano? <laughs> Very good. Got, uh, when peace like a river. Uh, is it? I'm not sure. Is it seven six six in there? I'm not sure.
766, yeah, okay, thank you. We got we're there. We're good. Thank you so much for your help. Thank you.
that each one of us may leave this place knowing that it is well with our souls. Whatever should come, whatever should happen, it is well with our souls. And we thank you for all that the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. And now may the grace of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, and the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all this day and forever. Amen.